in love in Jesus' name. We're going to get a message today about how to treat your wife. And for those of you online, thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. I'd like to open with prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this meeting. Bless the men here, every, each and every one of them. Bless those people online, Father, with your love, your grace, and your mercy. Let us just enjoy your presence and see how you work in our lives in the smallest of areas and show us through your word how to treat our wives and our children and our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace. 
Jesus, you are holy. Hallelujah. We are so blessed, Father, so blessed to be saved, to know the truth of God's word, have it taught here, and understand how it works in our lives. Let the Lord work in your life. Don't deny him. Let him work in your life. Hallelujah. For he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy of all praise. He alone is worthy of all praise. For us. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Glory to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for Calvary, we'd have no hope. If it wasn't for Calvary, we'd have no victory over the enemy. If it wasn't for Calvary, so many things in our lives would have never happened for the good. Even though there are things that come our way, we fight them with the Word of God. But the main thing is Calvary started it all. Jesus gave himself. The Father sacrificed his only begotten Son. I cannot imagine what Jesus felt when the Father had to reject him, when he placed all of our sin on him. I can't. I can't imagine. I've had some really hurtful things, and everybody in this room, I'm sure, has had hateful things and hurtful things, but nothing like what Jesus did. Hallelujah. He paid it all on Calvary. He took my sin and set me free. And so I could live eternally. He paid it all on Calvary. He gave his life that day.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Bill. That was, I love your songs. I mean, that's to, to adore. Praise the Lord. He got me This is my ministry. And I wasn't even supposed to sing today. I wanted to sing that first song, Holy Forever, ever since I heard it come out on the radio. I love that song because it's given Jesus the glory that he's due. And I thought, Lord, someday I want to sing that. And Wes called me up last night, and he wasn't feeling well. And he said, would you take that for me today? And I said, I've got a song prepared. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise That's... Take a moment, say hello to somebody, welcome one another, and then we're going to get into the Word and take time to pray together. Bless you online. Uh, we welcome you, all the men that couldn't be present but are here online, and any of you ladies, sisters that are joining us, grace to you. It's going to be a powerful day because it's about love, and love is for everyone in all relationships. It's the key to the kingdom, so praise Jesus. All right. Okay, in a moment, I'm going to, we're going to take a few moments throughout today to do prayer together. So think about who you'd like to pray with. We're going to break up in twos when we go through this because it's going to be an equipping day, not by choices that we have to make and hard work that we're going to have to do, but by receiving. That may be the hardest thing we do. I, for me, it is to trust God and let him do something for me that I feel like I should be the one trying to do it for him. So praise the Lord. So. If you would turn with me uh, uh, to, we'll start in Ephesians in a moment, 521, I believe, 522, but don't put it up on the screen. Thank you. Uh, can I, a couple of things I just want to ask for your prayer. First and foremost, thank you for all of your the, uh, support that's come over last week's, we introduced the book of Job, and I've had the same response that I was exp expressing given to me by other people saying, well, you know, I always avoided the book of Job. I just kind of was not someplace I wanted to land. I was going to avoid it. As though if you didn't read it, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> but, but uh, in fact, Richard Snyder had said to me, he said, you know, I was going, God, how would you do, how would you allow that? You didn't do it. It was the devil. And even today, I've started back as I get ready for tomorrow to, to pull the, to the redemption out of the story, the purpose that was greater than the suffering and the intent. Uh, it was satanic. It was demonic. It was destructive. It was never God's hand. But God never intervened to try to address, hey, you got it all wrong. You should be mad at the devil, not me, because there was something larger that God was after, which was the pride that was lodged in Job's heart. So Richard was saying, well, how could you allow that to happen? And then what God said to him, which I thought, well, that's pretty, that's pretty. He said, I, I did it to my son. I allowed that to happen to my son to free humanity. I allowed it to happen to Job to free Job from his captivity. And so he never is taking us somewhere that he hasn't already brought his son through. That's why whenever we go through a temptation, testing, trial, he sovereignly never allows it beyond our ability never allows it to come outside of the realm of our uh, uh, commonness of man where we live the life we live the purpose we're in ed cole said to me a long long time ago he was a real mentor toward men's ministry he said every man will be tempted according to his worth 
or his calling. And at the time, some of you will remember this, Pat Robertson was very and influential and very, and very wonderfully used in the, in the media. And he got tempted to run to be the president because it was a like temptation to the level of his calling. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus was tempted to worship, bow down, worship the devil, and he could have all of the kingdoms because that's who he was called to be, was the king of all kingdoms. But he couldn't come. You can't get a kingdom through worship. You can't get bread through rocks. And you can't make God do things by jumping off temples. So he had to say no, 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 and use the word. But we're tempted to what our temptation is common to who we are, where we are. God will not allow it to go beyond what we are able. And every temptation, this 1 Corinthians 7, he'll make a way of escape. And you know, and I know, because you all know the Bible, I always thought the way of escape is out of the temptation. Does that make sense? Sure, I'm, you know, like those exit signs. It means get out of the building. The building's on fire, I'm out of the building. That's what the purpose of the exit, even the ones on the ground, is then they light up. If the smoke gets too high, you could be crawling on the floor and still find the exit sign. The problem with the kingdom is that the exit isn't spelled E-X-I-T. It's spelled J-E-S-U-S. -S. You must find him. You must find him. You find Jesus, and you will be out of the temptation. Now, you may not be out of the immediate stress of it, but you will find yourself in the peace, in his joy, his peace, and the sight of his love. And we will go, wow. It's like all of a sudden we're sustained, where we were diminishing, we were just collapsing. All of a sudden we are empowered, where we were losing all of our strength. All of a sudden we are, uh, uh, there's a transformation. That's the kingdom purpose, is <clears throat> to bring us into a relationship of trust of total and confident reliance upon the goodness of God in the evil situation we're in, the faithfulness of God in what seems to be such chaos and betrayal, then the goodness of God that just seems to be all wrong and can't be right. And all of a sudden, you, we are, we're no longer manipulating or trying to control the circumstance as the immediate focus, but we're beginning to say, it's my heart that I want to have fixed upon the Lord and just stay in that place of peace and rest and joy. And God's saying, that's the purpose that I'll allow that to happen to you. And like Brian did two weeks ago, he made a very purpose clear that most of our temptation is just our stupidity. You know, that we just lust after this and want to do that and think we should be able to do this. But even when it's the purest of tests, just pure satanic against us for a purpose, even so, the, if we go against justifying God and try to justify ourselves, we just perpetuate the problem until, as we'll see tomorrow, it's just that there is, when, when the Lord comes and meets me in my testing, my whole spec, my whole, the whole understanding of what I'm in changes. And it's never, no more about me. It's all about Him. And it's all about His goodness. And it's all about His mercy. And as you have already, I'm sure, experienced, you'll say later, Lord, thank you for taking me through that. I would never know you as I know you now. How did you not take me through this? I would never have seen you as I see you now. And I would never have known me as I now know me had I not come to you. So 
there's that movement forward, and I just encourage you, and grateful for the Bible, aren't you? I mean, I'm just grateful for the Bible, I, and because, and I wish I'd have read the Bible. I, you know, I, I think to myself, I tell the Lord, how audacious and arrogant as a man who's read the Bible many times and had a pretty good grasp on it, and since I could understand, keep track of stories, knew who was what, where they were, had a big overview. But to think that because I read the Bible, I knew the Bible, that I had not, I could just live from the knowledge of having read it rather than submitting to it every day. I, I, I'm just, I, that's the, my biggest regret in my 48 years, that I stopped just reading the Bible consistently from cover to cover so that I could be submitted to the full logos and not just the ramas that I was longing to see manifest. But now we're doing it. And, and if you're, you're not doing it, just start this week. You know, the week we're whatever, week seven, week eight, it'll show up every Monday in your inbox if you get the subscribe and you can buy the book and use the book. And you, but I'd start right where we are because there's, a, there's something that we will as men lead our families if we are all being led in the scripture in the same place because that's where Romans 15 talks about the weak the strong begin to bear the weak the infirmities of the weak we don't please ourselves then it talks about that the god of comfort and god of patience and comfort would bring us patience and comfort in the scriptures and then what comes of that when we are submitting to patience and comfort in the scriptures from the God of patience and comfort, we begin to have the same, same mouth. We, we begin to say the same things. We begin to have the same thoughts, and we begin to have the same agreement. And that's where the power of the unity of the body is going to come into. So I, I don't believe, I believe the whole Jewish world have held together over centuries by having a Bible reading program. They're using just the, the Torah and the Tanakh, but they are following together scriptures. And I'll I check, I have a lot of different news apps, and I get a news app that's out of Israel, and they'll always have a portion that week of what, what there's reading, and I can, you know, and then all the different people are talking about the same theme, uh, and it's, you know, the golden calf right now, the, the, getting, the giving of the law. And it, you realize, wow, there's a collective thought that's not collective in that people are being all told what to think, but they're all thinking on one thing. Does that make sense? If I'm all thinking about one thing, then that one thing begins to have an, uh, an influence in us. And I believe uh, this is my two prayers now I'm going to ask us to do. What I believe is coming is, uh, is in, in one way or another, we know that what is coming, the Bible says that the, we have been given the, 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 we have been, says in Ephesians that Jesus is our redeemer, having redeemed us by his blood through, through forgiveness, through his blood forgiveness, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound to us in all wisdom and prudence. So that's, wisdom is the big picture, prudence is the depth of thought, so he just starts to possess and, and call us out of where we've got lost. Redemption is not for sinners. Redemption is for sons. It's God collects us out of where we got ourselves 
swept into, taken advantage of, stupid thoughts, made ourselves, made dumb decisions, redeeming us, having made known to us the mystery of his will. So we in this room and online and all believers in, the, in Jesus have been made known the mystery of his will. You say, well, how do I know what is mystery of his will? He just goes, it's about to be said. This is Ephesians 1, 1.11. Having made known to the mystery of his will that in the dispensation, which is a fancy word for administration of times, of the fullness of times, Papa is in charge of everything. He's sovereign and he's majestic and he'll wrap this thing up and he has a, in one purpose that he's moving everything to. And when I saw this, it helped me because I could just say, well, I'm yielding to what you're doing, even if I can't see it. I'm not, I don't know where we are in it, but I'm yielding to it. Because he said that he might have made, having made known to us, you could put all that up if you don't mind, Ephesians 1.11, having made known to us the, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. So there's no, he didn't ask us. He didn't say, let's have a vote. Let's have a caucus. Let's see, let's take some, you know, check out. Like they say, I read this this week in, in one of the rabbis talking about their, about the, the study of the Torah or the two Ten Commandments. And, and um, anyway, I won't tell you. It's just, it's a, Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed himself, that in the dispensation or administration, we know what men, as men, we know what administration means. It means putting things in place, causing them to go forward, executing them on time, in the fullness of the times. That's the fullness of all kairoses. And as we complete all this, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So the gather together in one, and literally that means when you look up gather together, it's sum up into one. So all of the parts, all of the pieces, all of the fragments, all of the brokenness, all of the unsettled and, and dis, dispersed, he's going to pull together all into one, one body. And not only is it just here on earth, but it's in heaven and on earth and into him. So what that means, no matter what happens tomorrow, what happens in the election, whatever happens in the next five years, what we know is going to happen is the church is going to go into a rapid maturity, a rapid trusting God for all things, in all things, loving one another fervently, being settled in the supremacy and sufficiency and perfection of Jesus Christ. And we will, we will be dis, disengaged from much of the conflicts, as Jesus, when he prayed, he said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those you've given me. And not just the ones I walked with and you've given me that I kept in my earth walk, John 17. But I'm praying for the ones who will believe from the words they will share, and that's you and I. And I want them to be one. I want them to be one in our, my, our name. I want them to be one in our love. I want them to be one in our glory. And I'm not praying for the world. I'm going to pray for them that you keep them from the evil one and that you sanctify them in truth so that they can walk because they're not of the world. We're not of the world anymore. So there's, there's, a, there's a separating taking place, and it will not stop. It will get darker and lighter. It will get brighter and dimmer because the world is going to go silly and stupid and, and idolatrous and lust-filled and lying and all of the things that the 
New Testament tells us in the last days are upon us. But the church will, is going to come into brightness and brilliance and like Christ-likeness that one day it will not be, I don't know if it will be in our lifetime, I hope it is, one day the church will have revealed Christ in such a perfection, that means maturity or completeness, that it will be said, I see Christ in you. And that's how then we will be, that will validate that God the Father sent Jesus to the earth when we are in oneness. He will know, the world will say, I can tell that this Jesus is absolutely dynamically true because I see him in you. So Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to take him out of the world. In fact, I'm sending him into the world, but I need you to sanctify them in truth. And the word is truth. Without the word, that's the logos. It's the full picture. Sanctify them in the truth. And for this reason, I'm going to sanctify myself. I mean, if we can connect to Bill, I don't know how I got on all this, but I'll finish. And we can go, I can see the sacrifice of the son and the willingness to submit to the father. He, all he did was submit. All Jesus did was submit. And that's all we're asked to do. The one word that describes everything is submit to the will of the Father, to the will of God. He said, I, but now here's the deal. He's saying, I, the living word who became flesh, the God, son, the God, the son who became the son of man, I have submitted myself to the truth of God's word so that we could be sanctified. And so Hebrews jumps in on chapter 2 and says, he who sanctifies is not ashamed to call us his brethren. In fact, it was written that I will declare your name to my brethren, which is the prayer of Jesus about the last verse of John, John 17, the last verse of John 17, which is the one real recorded prayer of Jesus on the earth. And we have little bits and pieces of things he said and did. But this is that one of offering himself to back to the Father and, and uh, asking for the things he's been prophesying, interceding them to be fulfilled. He says, I've made your name known, Father. I've made your name known to my brethren, and I will make your name known. And the first thing he says when he comes reanimated out of death, he says, I will make known my, your name to my brethren. So we know the Lord on the, on the cross. Now we know the Lord in the, seated in heaven. And now we're coming into a consummation. And the consummation is that we're going to come into yieldedness and retrieving and returning. And we're giving things over. I'm giving my anger. I'm giving my fear. I'm giving my under, misunderstanding. I'm returning myself. Sum us up. Make us one. And that thing is going to get powerfully powerful. So whether we're being persecuted and hunted or whether we are uh, come into an awakening and deep repentance goes into the land and people begin to turn away from wickedness and, and cry out, we don't want to have anything to do with the stupidity of man that we've embraced. And all of a sudden, we are led into an, a renewal and to land being restored, into a reformation, a great awakening. I pray for that. I want that because it would give more time, more people, opportunity. But if we, got, we get into the squeeze of, of the beginning of sorrows, 
which all the things start happening in intensity. Uh, the one thing is we are going to become glorified. We were going to shine brighter than the sun. And it will be, again, one of those comp, you know, collecting. We're going to be coming one. We're being brought into oneness. And we're going to love each other fervently, forgive each other diligently. We're going to rejoice continually. We're going to partner with one suffering. We're going to pray into somebody's conflict and, until the, the breakthrough comes. And it's just going to get, we're going to get tighter and tighter, closer and closer. We're going to meet together more. Not because we're after something, but because God's pulling us into one. That's the will of God. That was decided before time began, before sin came, before Jesus died. It was the plan that through this redemption of a, of a people out of the earth, there would be one body, one people that would look like Jesus. Ah, a wife worthy like her husband. And that's the part where marriage and loving wives and are actively trying, practicing that in our own life becomes the same, a, a mini version of redemption, a mini version of the love story of God the Father, who said, I will go and find one who's been lost, bring them into salvation, then I'll love them into sanctification and wash them with my words until I can present them to myself as a beautiful, perfect, chaste bride, holy, without blemish, fully loved and we're being loved that way so that we can then practice love that way I mean I I am so grateful so please please let's pray kingdom come your will be done in every situation don't let your decision and your desire be the only thing that you pray let it be God I, I sovereignly say your kingdom come right now your kingdom come into our election. Your kingdom come into Israel. Your kingdom come into China. Your kingdom come into California. You, you've, I'm finding that I can pray about it. I can cover a lot of things because I'm not having to understand what God's doing. I'm just saying your kingdom come. Your will be done. I'm authorizing it on earth. Yes, the scriptures will give me some more insights and I can pray those activations but I don't need to know the exact what is happening at this moment, who this juncture. I'm free to just be able to go, Lord, you're, you're huge right now. And, and you're big. Because kingdom come, will be done means he didn't ever, Jesus did not teach us and say, when you pray, say, your kingdom come and your will be known. Or make your will known so I can agree with it. He just said, authorize me authorize me authorize me so my my whole prayer life has changed i am just in this i'm yielding to summation i'm anticipating oneness i'm anticipating where you're taking us i do not need to know what i have to go through that is going to be cared for by you nothing can stop us from doing what god called us to do because what god called us to do uh, it supersedes what the world wants to do the world may want to kill us the world hates us but God loves us, and he has a purpose to accomplish through us. And, uh, and so we just want to keep yielding to uh, you're more than able. I trust you. I want you to have your way. And once I discovered this, I started taking all of my problems that I was going through and all that I was stuck in. And I said, God, I don't know how they're going to out the outcome is, but I'm just telling you this. I know where it's going to end. You'll be Lord of it all. You'll be the head. 
I will be a part. I will be fitted inside the body, perfectly compacted into the living church. I will be functional, blessed, rejoicing always. I'll have no envy, no jealousy. I will not hate. I will love. I will not fear. I will, not, I will, I will walk in love and forgiveness. And so I just yield. And I realized that circumstances were just a path to discover Jesus Christ and let him take possession of me in that place. And the more I let them do that, the less the circumstances became the, fun- the focus of my prayer. And it began to be, find Christ. So when I get into a crisis, I know this. I don't do this. My soul, my flesh, I still live in this body, and my soul is still more connected to my body than it is to the word. So it responds to what it's picking up in the circumstance all the time. But when I get into the crises, after I freaked out, after I acted out, after I tried to stop it and control it and do this and blame and gain, all, the, all that, at some point I'll say, I don't want to get out of the crises. I don't want to fight this crisis. I want to find Christ in this crisis. I got to find Jesus. Where are you, Jesus? I need to find you, then I need to submit to you. And I need to honor you and exalt you and declare you are more than enough in this moment. And something happens. First thing is the peace of God comes and guards my heart and my mind because that's the sign of answered prayer. Answered prayer is, is witnessed by peace. But, when it's, but it, there's many answered prayers in this room that have not yet been fulfilled. Right? All of Jesus' prayers have been answered, but not yet all fulfilled. And all of the, we've got many of those. And so the peace is the witness. It's done. But it doesn't mean it's going to be there tomorrow when I open, you know, get out of bed. It may be I'll walk through the conflict. And what I'm learning to hold is peace. And that is huge because that's what Jesus gave us before he left and now is given us in his resurrection, he said, I am going to give you peace, not as the world gives. I'm from John 14. Do I give you? Let not your heart be troubled, and don't let it be afraid. Then in John 15, he says, I want you to abide in my love as I abide in my Father's love. Keep my commandment which is to love one another as I kept my father's commandment and you will abide in my love. I want you to abide in my love so you're joyful. I want you to have my joy fill your joy. See, we are made in the image of God, but we cannot produce God in anything we do. But we can yield to God. And if I yield to God, I have the capacity to receive the likeness of God in my life. I want you to be filled. I want want you to receive my joy so your joy will be full. So abide in my love. So in the oneness, in the summation, I can sit there and live a thousand miles away from the truth, or I can be right smack dab and they say, I accept the truth that I seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. I accept the truth that in Christ I am to abide in love. I am inseparable. No love can sep- nothing can separate me from the love of God no matter where I am, what's happening. I'm going to abide in love. I'm going to settle in love. And I will walk in joy because joy is my inheritance. And I will walk in the peace because peace is my garter. That's why when I, that song came to me, you know, praise him, I praise him, you are good, your mercy endures forever. And the first chorus that rose up was, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the peace of God my defense, 
the love of God is my hope, anticipating good, and I'm living in the faith of Jesus. See, there's only one faith. There's only one faith. It's Jesus' faith. Jesus believed the Papa would raise him from the dead. And because he believed, that was imputed to him in his suffering. When he became sin, what got him out of being sin was that he believed Father's word to raise him from the dead. And Papa, as he had said to Abraham, when he accepted the sacrifice of Isaac, he said, I, that'll get you out of, I'll get you out of everything. That's, that's life. And now we're saved when we believe that God raised him from the dead. We're imputed righteousness. We're not saved. We, we accept that Father did that, which is huge. That's, but isn't it, isn't it wonderful? I don't have to produce faith. I just have to accept what God said about his son. And in accepting of what God said about his son, then the faith that's in the son will come to me. It changes everything because I'm not trying to tweak my soul all the time. I'm just trying to say, wow, well, I didn't know how I got here again today. I don't know how I'm feeling this way. I don't know what's coming after me this way. I know this lust, this control, this fear, this anger, this angst. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's all there. It's like the rain. I'm, get out of the rain. I'm coming in. Inside you, Jesus. Where are you? You're seated at the right hand. You've been raised from the dead. You're my intercessor. And I'm abiding in your love. I'm abiding in your love. Can we say that together? I'm abiding in your love, Jesus. Say it again. I'm abiding in your love. Yes, Jesus. And I'll do that. I, and, I'll, and, and I, when your soul is not working, don't make your soul work. Make it submit. To make it submit means let it re enter back into rest. So, you know, you just, that's how Job gets out of his problem. Is he's he's got to come out of his thinking he knows everything. So you don't have to do anything right now. We're just going to accept truth. The truth is I'm abiding in Christ inside his love. I don't feel it. I don't have to produce it. I can't perform it, but I'm abiding. I accept it. I accept this is truth. I accept the words that have been spoken are truth. This is sanctification. This is that what Jesus did for us so we could do it with him now in our life. We're, and, he, and at some point in time, your soul will catch up. It'll yield because it was created to magnify God. It was made to be a magnifier, but it'll magnify whatever it's focused on. If I focus on my problem, my problem will get bigger and bigger and worse and worse. If I focus on Jesus, he'll get bigger and bigger and better and better. And it's the simplest trick in the, in the, in the, in the, the practical life living. You learned it when you were riding a bike. Whatever you stare at, you're going to go into. If you stare at the tree, you're going to hit the tree. So you look where you want to go. That's what we learned in baseball. Keep your eye on the ball because the ball is what you wanted to hit. Well, keep your eye. If I keep my eye on Jesus, that's why I spend the time praying. That's why it's the biggest joy of my day. And why I read the Bible. Because how do I know the Bible? How do I know who Jesus is unless I read the Bible? How could I know who Jesus is? I mean... So, so, but I keep your eye on him. There he is. There he is. And when I, when I stay in that posture, he doesn't, he's not sitting there going, guys, let's have a powwow. We're in a real hot, bad place. 
The world's getting darker and church is getting dimmer. We need to get the church alive. So what can we do to get other people alive? All it takes is one heart. You and God are a majority. And your faith is not supposed to be transmitted to someone else as a requirement for your faith to work. If you have faith, Romans 14, have it to yourself before the face of God, which is huge. We just read this last yesterday, two days ago, in Mark 11. Have faith in God. Peter's going, man, you cursed that tree, and it's dead. He said, have faith in God. And then whatever you say to a mountain, it'll be removed. And whatever you believe, receive, you'll have. And whenever you stand praying, if you've got a problem, make sure you forgive. Paraphrased. But guys, don't, we don't have faith in our faith. We don't have faith that when I say to that mountain, it's going to move. That's, that's going to be a conflict because I'm going to be fighting a visual conflict. But if I look at Jesus, I say, so it says, have faith before God. So whether I'm, I'm here before you and I want us to be connected, I'm not going to disconnect from you. I'm in trouble and I've got a problem and I, it's concerning me and it's influencing me and it's affecting me. But rather than try to sort it out from my mind outward, I am returning back to you to see you. And I want to say that I know that in the Son, everything has been accomplished and everything is possible. It's all possible. I believe that you, I am in the healing that you've given Jesus, the salvation you've given Jesus, the deliverance you've given Jesus, the prosperity you've given Jesus, the hope you gave Jesus. I'm accepting that all that God gave you, Jesus, I am in. And I'm just going to have my faith in this right now and stay here. And you, that union, that's that connection that we're learning. And that union is going to get so strong at one point in time, it's been recorded, that we will look like a city cubed, 15, 1,400 miles every way, compacted. And we will be perfectly satisfied in our apartment. We won't be saying, well, I don't want anyone I'm going to live here. Oh, I want to live over there. If I live over here, I feel better. They got a better view. No, we'll just be honest. There's only one view that we have to see, and it's Jesus. We don't even need the sun in this city. We don't even need a moon in this city. There is no need of even a, a external illumination because God is the light. There's no temple in this city. There's no, it's just one glorious, compacted, beautiful people beholding one glorious lamp. And the lamp is Jesus. Revelation 22, 21, 20, yeah, 21. The, the lamp is Jesus. So all of the glory of God has now been funneled, if you would, as, like, as a light from fixture to shine in the face of Jesus Christ. And all of us will have a view of Jesus Christ. And all of us will come alive in our functionality, our inheritance. Because that's when the summation fully takes place, we will have obtained our inheritance. We will have come into the uh, inheritance that was given us in Christ. And the, the fruit of inheritance is total trust. Trust, 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 trust. So we are in this 
and I'm, I, I, it's important we hear this, because if we don't know where we're going, we're going to fight where we are. And we may get, on, get caught up in a, on a tangent that God isn't interested in. There's things that we could get, because I, frankly, if I had my way, I would have God answer every prayer that I pray concerning my comfort and the struggle I'm in. I just, I just clear a path so I could move. But now I'm learning your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you want me in this moment. Maybe you want me to be, well, if I'm suffering, I need to be praying. If I'm, re, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm having, if I'm in a good place, I need to be praising. So uh, I, 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 it's all about how I'm responding. All you're caring about is how I'm responding. And you're placing me in places, but I don't want to be, but... You want life to flow there. You want light to flow there. You want joy to flow there. You want peace to flow there. You want forgiveness to flow there. Uh, so it's like, wow. I, I would never have designed this like that. I would never have allowed a tree of knowledge and good and evil to be in the garden. I would have at least had a fence and flashing lights. Warning, 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 warning. But said it's a simple directive. You eat this, you'll die. Why would I let the devil come in and, and twist the words of the Father and cause him to be doubted in his goodness? Because unless we have learned that from experience that the truth of God is true, even when it does not appear so, and the love of God is real even when we don't feel it, and the joy of the Lord is accessible when there's no reason to be joyful, and the peace of God will always be available to guard our heart and mind no matter where we are, we wouldn't, when, we, when it's been tested by us losing it and recollecting it, going back, oh, there's scripture says that, okay, I accept it again. Okay, it's still true if I don't feel it. Okay, it's still true if it's not working. Okay, it's still true. I accept it. We're becoming a people of faith. And that's who Jesus walked and modeled, and now we get to be. And it's just huge. I don't know if this is helping you, but it's helped me a lot. I just thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians uh, 5. Watch this now in our life, and then we'll pray for each other. I forgot to tell you, the, the two things I asked you to pray for, please, please, I don't need to tell you. Thank you. Okay. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. We all have to practice submission. First and foremost to the King, to the Christ, to the Messiah, to the Anointed One, because he's my head. He's my head. But never am he asking me to perform from himself, myself. It says that he is the head of the church, which is his body, and we, the body, are the fullness of him, but he is the one who fills all in all. So now I'm praying daily. I say, Lord, fill me so you can be full. <laughs> fill me so you can have more fullness in your body. Fill me because I can't, I can't be you, but I can, I can receive you. So wives, the submission is not to, 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 to do what he's telling me. It's to receive what he's saying, who he is. And it's, it just changes your whole world. It, it moves out of that uh, conflict. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives to their own husbands in everything. 
It's a practice. Everything's a practice. Um, my relationship with an employer or an employee is a practice. Children, parents is a practice. Marriage, husband, wife. But then he goes on and he says to us, because this is about a, it's a mystery that's really about the church, but he wants to t- apply it to each of us of a practical basis. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So what is love? Love is giving myself for someone else. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friend. Life is suke, my soul, what I want to do, my opinion, what I'd like to say. I'd like to have the last word in this argument. Lay down myself. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That song, Bill, was just exactly, you were there on the cross. You did not let your pain be expressed. He says, when you suffered, you did not utter threats, but you kept entrusting yourself to him who judges righteously. When you, when you were reviled, you did not revile in return. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, why is love shown in sacrifice? Because somebody has to yield so someone else can grow. Someone else has to take the weight so someone else can thrive. Wives were meant to be blessings in our households and fruitful vines around our table. But they hire someone to lay down their life so that it can happen. And it was pointed out years ago, God commands men to love because that's not our propensity. We love to submit. We're good in the army. Tell me what to do. He tells wives to do what they're being told because they love to nurture. But they have a hard time accepting sometimes just a decision and be at peace with that. So we're always being charged to do what we're not naturally given to do. That's why it, it, it releases so much grace in our life. So he lays down his life. I lay down my life. You lay down your life for our wife. We get up. We, 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 try to, we try to move. We try to not have our way, but see that her way can be fulfilled and purposed. And we try to do what we do. And then by a life of laying down our life, it says that we, can, we get the right to speak, words of life, that he might sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water of his word. So once the Lord re- called us out of, out of, into salvation, once we accepted the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lord doesn't stop. He says, oh, now we get, to, we get to beautify. We get to glorify. We get to make you more awesome than I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you look just like me. I'm going to not stop. I'm going to wash you with the water of my word. And the washing of the water of the word isn't always delightful. It's like Esther, the first six months of her beauty treatment was all stripping, stripping, stripping. Next six months of her beauty treatment before she went to the king, before the king, was all now putting on. So a lot of times the washing of the water of the word is taking off the old man, taking off the grime, the grime on my face. And, and that's like, but he's, but he's committed. He's so committed. We will be a beautiful bride. 
We will love one another. We will be one church, one body. It, it's just, and, and it's happening. And so in our wife, we go, honey, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear where you're at. I want to, I want to listen enough to know where you're struggling. I want to see what I can be first praying over you. That's how Jesus did everything. He prayed for us. He told the Father he'd not lost anyone but kept everyone in his name. Prayer is primary. Praying for our wives is, is the sign that we are taking on a priestly role. Lord, I just want my wife. She's struggling here. She's stressed over there. Rather than say, you quit being stressed and quit, quit struggling. You see, no one was meant to ever live uh, in a marriage relationship. A wife was not meant to live that where she was pulling up from herself. She was being supplied by the love, the words of her husband that she can trust and move forward in that word, which is a, it's a conflict. Uh, and we have to keep moving on. He might present her to himself. My Lord, our Lord, Jesus is going to present us, him, all of us, one body, one bride, to himself. That means he's in the work of sanctification until the work is complete. And then at that close proximity, we're right next to him, he'll say, okay, now look, you see me? I see me in you. And it'll not be one individual, though it has to be each heart individually. My faith before God is making me yield to who he is and what he's done. And all our faith in God individually will cause us. But our faiths are, are, are expressed differently because we're different functions. So some of us will be like this, some of us like that. But, but it's all faith in one, all growing up into him. And he'll pull us together. And, I, I, and, he, and he'll just say, <laughs> you're glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. Psalm 45, you are glorious within. And you don't have a spot or wrinkle on you. I did it all. You didn't do it. You yielded. You submitted. But I did it. And you're holy and you're without blemish. And he gives us the picture. Husbands love your wives as your own bodies. That's why he's loving us like this. You know, he's a head up in heaven. Part of the body's up in heaven. Part of the body's on earth. But he doesn't want to, he's not going to be a headless. He's, he's committed himself. He committed himself to be one and see full sanctification in a billion, two billion, three billion. I don't know how many of us will all be one body, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed, and I love you. So husband, love your own wives as your own bodies. And you and I know this. We, we all are Hit your, hit, your hand, hit your thumb with a hammer while you're putting in a nail. You don't curse your thumb. You may curse the hammer. You may release profanity just out of pain and anger. But you'll be kissing the thumb before long. You'll be putting pressure on it. Everything of the rest of the moment will disappear. And it's all about the thumb because the thumb's in pain. And so no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes. This is the God art we love. This is Jesus. This is why Job is such a satanic attack on the goodness and character of the Father by accusing us that in suffering, it's because something's wrong with us or God. 
because God doesn't love us and trust us. No, he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. And, and, and if I talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am really having a problem right now. I am really afraid. I am really anxious. Father, I really need your intervention. I don't know how to move forward. Holy Spirit, without you, I won't be able to do any of this. Please help me. I really need you. I, and I, I make that point. I don't talk to myself. I used to pray trying to change how I feel. Now I pray to talk to the one who can change how I feel. It's a subtlety, but it's, but it's, it made all the difference. I, and, I, and I still will pray to try to change how I feel. So then I'll realize I'm not, I'm not changing how I feel, so I better stop praying to me. And I start getting, Father, I need you. I'm, I'm afraid again. Jesus, I'm, I'm upset. I don't know where to go. And then we'll have the conversation will begin, and the freedom comes. And, and this, no one, loved, no one ever hated this flesh. They nourishes it. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Think about it. Everything of us is part of him. Every part of my life is part of him. Every struggle I'm in is part of him. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and become joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We are one flesh with Jesus, one body with Jesus, one bone with Jesus. We're flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You see, we are practicing the consummation. And... We are practicing what's going to happen in all of our lives by both the practice of loving and being loved. The practice of submitting and asking someone else to submit to the thing that we're hearing without demanding and the union that's going to start coming. We're going to start recognizing the giftings and the anointings and the joys and we're not going to be in competition, just completeness. We're not going to be afraid. We're going to be filled with love. It's just going to get huge, and it's not going to happen to the world. The world's going to get hateful, spiteful, violent, wicked, divisive. And I don't know if we can wrestle the world back into submission. I don't know if we're going to. I I don't know. But I know one thing. We will look like Jesus. We will think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, feel like Jesus, emote like Jesus, not because we have perfected the faith, but because we've submitted to the faith. And just as Jesus, I hope we don't end our journey in Gethsemane like he did. But if, he, if that is where we are in the wine press, in the press of the oil, then I pray that we will yield as he yielded all his life and say, not my will, but your will be done. I don't want to be here. I can't be here. I want to get out of here, but not unless I drink this cup, I don't get out of here then I don't want to try to sort it out. I just, please, your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's such a hard thing to yield to someone else's will. And yet it's the end of all things. Just this week, Papa showed me in the scripture, two weeks ago, in prayer on, on a Wednesday, There's only one will in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no voting. (laughs) 
There's no caucuses. There's no parties. There's no divisions. There's none of it. But one will, Father's will. And we will have so joyfully yielded our will to his will. We will not be swallowed up and have no will, no say. We'll just be saying, I want your will. I want your way. I don't know how to get there. But when we become one, we will have matured. It will be so powerful. So, nevertheless, let each one of us in particular love his own wife. So I'm practicing being Jesus. So if you want to say, how do, how do I handle this moment in my marriage? Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And wait until you find love and then love. And if you're ever asking, what do I do in this con- situation I'm in concerning life? You ask, what would my wife do? What does the wife require? I need to submit to the one who's leading. What are you doing, Jesus? Holy Spirit, lead me. Now, here's two, two warning points, and then we're going to pray for each other. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Are, are we okay? I mean, you're not going to get this with your head, but if you're saying yes, you'll get it in your spirit. I mean, I can't teach you. I can't teach me. I'm, I come to this every day and just stare. Stare. And when I find something he's telling him, pointing to me, I just go there and live there. And it takes weeks, months, sometimes years, till I start going, oh, that's why you have me here. Mm. And I just stay. Because the brain is arrogant. Knowledge puffs up. And pride is the one thing God will just squash anywhere, everywhere, especially in his church. He is not going to have a proud, arrogant, cocky wife. <laughs> we are going to be a yielded, trusting, submitted trust. So, so that knowledge puffs me up. So I got the information. I got it. No, you don't. I, I saw it. I don't got it. I saw it. So the submitting, the submitting, the submitting. So Colossians takes all of Ephesians, what we just read, and puts it into two verses in chapter 3. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord, as unto the Lord in the presence. Husband, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Bitterness is probably the thing that destroys men in their prime, in their potential, in their calling, because bitterness will take over you're are being charged to rise above, to lay down our life. It's, if, men, if we as a husband become bitter toward our wife, which means we start to resent them, we kind of look at them as they're kind of the problem. You, I had potential till you started messing up. It is so easy. I think it's the first default of men is to blame their wife. Right? Started with Adam. So it's sin nature. It's my wife. I, you know, I was just minding my own business. She found an apple, ate it, made me eat it. It's not my fault. So don't get bitter. So, we, so what a charge. Don't get bitter. And go to uh, 1 Peter 3, 7. And then we're going to close. 1 Peter 3, 7. And this is where I link this. If I will love my wife, I will receive my inheritance. If I, ref- if I refuse to love my wife, then I am not yet submitted, and I can't step into or receive my inheritance. I will be in conflict with myself. I'll be fighting myself. 
I'll be ruining my future because I don't take the one thing in front of me, the one person given to me, and say, I need to lay down my life for you. How do I do it today? I want to wash you with words. How do I, what would I say to you today? Where are you, what are you saying? I need to hear your prayers because that's what, that's what Jesus does. He listens to me. I want to listen to you. And I don't want to get caught in this offense that allows me to grow bitterness because bitterness is just stops the process, the beautiful transformation. One way or another, we're going to be changed. He's not going to have an anemic, dysfunctional, leprous pride. He's going to get us all. And that's probably why the rap, rap, last day's wrap-up is going to be kind of pretty tough because sometimes uh, we don't hear God unless we're in a difficult place and we are pressing. Uh, what are you saying? So husbands, likewise, six verses are given to wives to talk to how to conduct themselves to a, if a husband won't obey the word. I vote... The one, in, the one in submission has more authority than the one in the authority to change things. It's a weird, it's, it's again, it's the reversal of the curse. Every the curse turned into reversal. But now he comes in one verse, one verse to the men. Husbands, love your wives, or likewise dwell with them with understanding. Dwell with them with understanding. Dwell with them. Understand them. What is she like? What's her favorite color? Where does she like to shop? What's her food? Jesus knows everything about us. And so he, when he wants to connect us, he'll come to us through the point where we, he knows he can find us. Giving honor to the wife is the weaker vessel. So if I, if I honor Cami as the weaker vessel, that's not chauvinism. That's uh, chivalry. That's why we open the door. It's not to defer and say you're, it's to say because I'm, I'm my, my number one place is to care for you and love you. I'm here to provide for you, protect you. Like Christ does for me, I'm here to do that for you. I can't be Christ for you. You must have a relationship. All must have a relationship. But in my learning to be like Christ, you get to be my object of practice. And so I'm, I, I want to honor you. I want you to, I want to, and again, we, it's only funky when it gets religious, and it's beautiful when it's just natural. Everybody's unique, some, and everybody's language of love is different, and everybody hears, feels love. Some people feel love through gift-giving. Some people feel love through a conversation. Some people feel love through time spent together. There's all that learning. That's where the understanding comes. Then we can honor as a weaker vessel as being heirs together as the grace of life so here's the here's the here's the crazy thing in our being joined together we became heirs together and i cannot get to my future without cammy nor can cammy to me now there's some of us in this room have been divorced some of us have lost our spouses uh, some of us have uh, divorced and, do, and, and rat, run apart with muck, and you go, well, how's God ever going to resolve that? Jesus. He doesn't have to put it back to where it was. He just has to put everyone back into him. Does that make sense? It's never about, oh, go fix that. You've got to, but it, 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 there's, never, there's never hope. There's never not hope, but Jesus is always hope. 
And so being heirs together the grace of life, being heirs, walk in, under, have understanding, walk in honor, because you're an heir of together the grace of life. And then it says that your prayers may not be hindered. And if I had the time, I'd take you to uh, Malachi 2, where he addresses this in, in ext extreme. And he basically says, you guys cover the altar with your prayer, you, with your tears. You, you're just in a deep intercession. But I won't hear you. I won't even listen to you. You say, why? He because you've been treacherous to your wife. So I'm not even listening. And treachery is, a, is, a, is a causing someone to have confidence or trust in you and then to break the trust that they have in you. That's treachery. To use trust to gain an advantage or not fulfill the, the promise that was made in the trust. That's why marriage is the key to relationship because it has to start with covenant. It has to start with a promise. Then we build off that promise. And it'll, that will cause all that conflict. And so he's having to say, you've got to pay attention to your spirit. And that's where I want us to get to so we can close. I'm not talking from, oh, this is what I've discovered I could now be. I cannot be any of this but Jesus. I can't be any of this but Jesus. I have to abide in his love so that I can love. I have to submit to his word so that I can speak words of life. I have to forgive so I don't grow bitter. Because I, you know, again, we all have our dream. Like marriage, young people get married. You're not marrying somebody. You are marrying somebody, but you're also marrying an image of what marriage is. That might be an awful image. It might be a wonderful image. It might be a Barbie and Ken image. But that image will, again, affect how we go forward in that. Because whatever we see, we will become or we'll hit, or we'll run into. So this glorious king who says, all that I am, you have become in me. But you cannot know those things to be true until you <laughs> practice them in this life. And you're not able to practice them because they do not come from you. You are a fearful, angry, selfish, wicked, bent on your own will person. And in your flesh, there's no good thing. And your soul is more connected to your flesh than it is to your regenerated spirit. So we're going to have to just practice submission to my word, receiving what I'm saying, submission into my presence so that I can have influence on who you are, and now accept my love and dwell there. And that's where I really believe right today God wants to baptize us afresh as sons being loved. And then start asking, Lord, I would like to love my wife as you love me. Show me how to walk in this love that exclude, that deals with bitterness. There's no blame. There's no game. Worst thing ever happened to marriage is if you wish your spouse would die. It means you're in a really hard place and we need to return back to God and ask him to Un unravel that. How did I get here? I don't want them to die. I want them to thrive. I want them to blossom. Uh, but it's all, if I've learned anything in life, is I can read the Bible, but I can't perform it. I can, I can see Jesus, but I can't be Jesus. I can 
be told what I need to do, but I can't do what I've been told to do. I need, it's, I'm dependent upon the one that's in me to take the lead, to, to be the resource. And I can't give what I've not received. That's why Jesus demands us. He said, I got a commandment. It's this command. You love like I'm loving you. I don't ask for anything more, and I won't accept anything less. Love as I'm loving you. That's, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. But the love isn't a, a, a fraternal love that we can have through friendship and like interest. It's an agape love. It says, you know what, I'm, I'm just here, and I'm committed, and I will never let you go, and I'll never move away from you. And that's the love Jesus has for us. That's why that Job satanic message to his three friends that imbibed was that God doesn't love you. God doesn't, God, God doesn't trust you. God doesn't have a desire. He's ready to take you down unless you perform. You've got to perform. It is so satanic. But God isn't, on the other hand, God says, I so love you. I'm not going to leave you where you are until you become like I am. And I will do all, I'll pay all the price. I'll pay all the time. I'll do all the work. But you're going to have to give me some of your time and submit to my word and, and allow me to enter into your life and inject myself in places that you probably don't want me, but you will be glad I came. So I'll be knocking on the door all the time. To the, to the one who's wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I'll be knocking. Hey! Because they think they're living in the good life, the high life, that they're rich and have need of nothing. But they don't know they're wretched, poor, blind. So I'm going to come and have an encounter because they need to find me in order to find them. Does that make sense? And that's what's coming right now. We are going to, I just, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to right now, as a Job moment, you did for Job, in our marriages and in all relationships, including and importantly the body of Jesus Christ, that you could and would love us inside your love. We come into the love that you've given us in Jesus. With your imagination, with your words, with your heart believing, enter into accepting that I am loved by Jesus as the Father loves Jesus. There's no restriction, no limitation, no pulling back. I'm loved. Say with me, I am loved. I am loved in Jesus with the same love the Father has for Jesus. I am loved in Jesus with the same love the Father has for Jesus. I abide in this love. I want this love to be my home. Every day, every waking moment, I return. This is truth to sanctify me. I am loved by Jesus with the same love Father loves Jesus. And nothing can separate me from the love God has for me in Christ Jesus. I receive your love. Now, just ex ex receive. 
into your home, your marriage, your mind, the conflicts, the struggles, the troubles, the fears, the jeers. Just receive love, union, oneness, inseparability. Receive, receive. Love drives out fear. Love releases joy. Love gives us confidence in a conflict to be at peace. He's coming. Come. You, we don't have to do anything to be loved. We are, just have to receive the love that we are loved with. And that changes, affects, frees. Oh, I receive your love. I yield to your love. I believe your love. I receive and believe your love. I believe and receive your love. Keep pulling. Keep receiving. We've been through a lot of things, guys. This world's been through a lot of hell, a lot of haggling. There's a, it's time to be loved so that we might love again. Fully love. Fully love. To love the unlovable, starting with our wife, if that's where we are. Whew. Now let's pray the bitterness prayer. Heavenly Father, forgive me for bitterness, however and wherever it has crept in. I choose in your love to love my wife and not be bitter. I forgive. I release forgiveness. See, all relationship in the marriage is based on forgiveness, love and forgiveness, love and forgiveness. I forgive. And if there's something specific, a stubborn will, a conflict of interest, a refusal, wherever it is, forgive. Just go ahead, just forgive. I forgive you. I release you. You don't owe me anything, not even an apology. I release you. I forgive you. I release you. Forgiven. See, I do all, you, this is what prayer is. It's, a, it's an exchange going on. Release, forgive, forgive. Let's say this, Heavenly Father, return my marriage into love, to love of Christ, that I might love as Christ loved, and now lay myself down so that I might wash with water of words. In Jesus' name. Listen for one thing that God would want you to say to your wife that he thinks about her 
that he honors in her, that he rejoices in what he's doing in her. To see if God would give you something. I think he will to everyone. It's recognizing a part of character, a part of beauty of the inward man. We should always compliment our wives on how they look, how good they look, even when they don't think they look good. We should always be valuing them when they don't feel valuable by their own choices and actions. Honoring them when they feel like they're in no place of honor. We should just always be lavishing them with that kind of words like, the, like Solomon did to the Shunammite. Just listen. Because this is what we want to bring this home as a present. And if you're not married yet, this is a great opportunity to um, prepare. And if, you've, if your marriage was destroyed, it's a great time to release forgiveness. It matters not now. God is fully redeeming all things. All things he's redeeming. Oh, Now, one last thing. First Peter 3. To understand, honor, and become the heirs of life that we were given. So let's say, Heavenly Father, I ask you for a spirit of wisdom, revelation, understanding for my wife. Give me understanding who you made her to be, what conflict she's in, how I'm supposed to respond in honor. I want to dwell with her in honor. Help me, show me where she as the weaker vessel needs to be protected more or as the more valuable vessel kept not for common use but for precious use. Understanding. Weaker vessel to honor value. Thank you. Give us words again to affirm. To affirm. Oh. Now that we'll finish this by saying, Father, in Jesus' name. Restore our inheritance. Bring us into oneness, into the grace of life, to the abundance of grace, to reign in life. We return. I return and return my wife into that place of honor as heirs of grace, of life. Please now, Father, forgive me in any of the parts that I participated that have brought dishonor 
and release and bring. Answered prayer. Accepted prayer. Received prayer. Worthy. Yes, Lord. And the beauty of all of this is it never is achieved. <laughs> it's only received. It's only accepted and submitted to the truth of Christ. I'll never be this person tomorrow unless I return to Christ and then let him have access to me again because it's his word that's sanctifying me and separating me to that holiness. Come, Lord. Now, I wanted us to pray, but it's, we went, went totally a different way I thought I would go to, so I don't want to keep us. Uh, thank you so much for being so attentive and pulling because I do think we touch some things that are really important in this last days. Our authority that we're to carry and the love that he's going to demonstrate. I want to say, let God love you. If you do anything, you have to start with being loved. And that's, and not, you know, it's just First John chapter 3 or chapter 4, it says, this is the love we have believed and received. We don't just receive love, we believe love. This is the love that we love by. So this calls my soul to settle back into peace cause me to step back into a place I can lay down my life instead of being my life, someone else needing to lay down their life for me. It builds me back in. I bless you. Would you stand up? I just want to release a blessing. I want this to spread into the hall of his body. Lord God, you have given us a vision of love that we are to practice in our marriages, but that you have demonstrated that is really the mystery of the church and, your, and Christ Jesus. I'm asking you today to release the blessing of love deep into our heart where we are so uh, accepting and continuing and where we literally, as Jesus said, make it our decision to abide, to return every day, to abide in your love. I'm asking you that this love will not just go toward our wife, but then it will go extended to our children, to our neighbors, and to the body, and to the, to the oneness, to what you're doing, the summation of all things. We, we submit to you, whatever and however in every way that Christ would be seen. And we thank you, 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 and we thank you for this love, this great love that's going to affect every part of our life as we submit to this love, your love, and abide in your love, and keep your commandment, which is to love as you're loving us. We just thank you. Praise you. Bless today. Make it work. Make everything go good for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.